Hello everyone, I'm your host Toko and this is my podcast, as a rest for that. Welcome, welcome back to my podcast and as you can tell by the title, we're going to be talking about Are You Mentally Scrolling on God? So basically what this podcast episode is going to entail is basically just the idea of being in God's presence and just not giving him your full attention. I think that's the best way to put it because I just feel like nowadays because of just how fast paced we live and not to sound like an elderly person shout out to my elderly people i love y'all but like you know tiktok brain per se and i think because of just how fast paced life has become we are just applying that to our relationship with god like we're wondering why god isn't speaking to us why we're struggling to get into his presence because we are not sitting long enough to hear him so that's basically what I'm going to be talking about and what scriptural basis we have for this and just kind of talk about it in a more relatable sense and what to do. So we're going to be reading in Mark 7 and this particular scripture I'm reading is actually has actually been spoken about prior to this and Jesus is speaking here and he even quotes Isaiah because this is coming from Isaiah 29 verse 13 and basically that whole chapter is talking about how God would rescue Israel and how they would be in a very unfortunate situation, but still he would rescue them essentially, just like how God operates as usual per se. And he's referencing this particular part, verse 13, in the context of inner purity. If I'm looking down, I'm looking at my Bible. So I've got it like right here. So yeah. Um, so he's talking about inner purity and the context of this is very interesting because Jesus and his disciples basically are in the same room with the teachers of religious law. And they're looking at him and his disciples and being like, wait, they don't do this. They don't wash their hands and their feet. And then they ask Jesus, like, Jesus, you and your disciples, they don't do these customs that we don't, we cling to. Because it literally says in chapter four, chapter seven, verse four, it says, similarly, they don't eat anything from the market until they immerse their, their hands in water. This is one of the many traditions that they have clung to such as this their ceremony of washing of cups pitchers and kettles so it literally says they clung to this and it makes sense as we get into what exactly jesus says in response to this because this is not necessarily anybody speaking but it's phrased this way for a reason i'm gonna get into why you know so just jumping right into it um verse five i'm gonna read from verse five to seven, I'm gonna then I'm gonna like jump around from verse eight to about twenty because I feel like there are a lot of key moments pointing to this particular topic that I think really affect us today. So it says in verse five, so the Pharisees and so the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law asked him, "Why don't your disciples follow our age-old tradition? They eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony." Jesus replied, "You hypocrites! Isaiah was right." When he prophesied about you, for he, for he wrote, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And I just, I think this is powerful because this is telling us about exactly what the teachers of religious law were talking about and what their frame of mind was like. Because the latter part of verse 7 says for they teach man-made ideas as commands from god so they take 
spiritual things and apply them as if they're from God. And why this is interesting is because they did this in response to false worship, in response to them having a false sense of God and not staying long enough in his presence to truly worship him. Because Jesus speaks about how we're supposed to worship God in spirit and in truth. So by the Holy Spirit and in truth, so we should be truthful in his presence. So um, I think this is interesting because when we are sitting in God's presence, right, and we're thinking about the next thing, we're thinking about how to conceptualize this in a Christian way, we take that feeling of goosebumps and whatever, and we teach it as though that's the standard for Christianity. We, t- we go around sharing it like, oh, when you're l- listening to worship music, you have to listen to the goosebumps. You have to feel the Holy Spirit come as goosebumps when it's not even biblical. The Holy Spirit doesn't come as goosebumps in the book of Acts in chapter 3. He comes mightily and there's literally fire, like tongues of fire. That's how the Holy Spirit comes. And people start prophesying. People who speak who don't speak the native languages of other people start speaking those languages and it's just this very like i want to say cathartic but more so like unifying experience because people from around the world kind of have this moment of like whoa we're together and it's kind of like a mending of what god did when he broke down the tower of babel if i'm not mistaken because people were speaking the same language and then god was like let's confuse them with their languages and so what this moment in the book of acts tells us is that the holy by the holy spirit we can become united yes in languages but by the language of god primarily because without jesus coming to say hey i'm gonna leave my friend if i don't leave then the helper won't come we wouldn't have the holy spirit who would come and unify us in the body of christ because the body is one thing we have different parts like i believe paul talks about in first corinthians about how the body is made up of different parts but it's one body so although we are different essentially we are meant to be unified and what this means for us who may be scrolling on god and by what i mean by that is basically Think about it in a practical sense. You're with a friend. You're meeting up with a friend. You've set aside this specific time to meet with this friend, whether it's on the phone or on a device or in person. And then when you're in that person's presence, as they're trying to talk to you, you're on your phone like, yeah, I understand what you're saying. You just hear bits and pieces. And I'm pretty sure we've all seen like a movie scene of like someone who's trying to talk to another person. They just hear like the last phrase. And we can do the same to God. We can be sitting there like, oh, you want me to do this? But we didn't hear the prior instruction. We didn't hear the even the blessings sometimes. And I think we leave God's presence with bits and pieces and we start looking for things to make sense in other places instead of settling in his presence. That's why we find people calling people mother, father, and all these other things. And it sounds like a joke, but this will make sense. But when we are going out in the world and like looking for mother and father, it's a sign of us not sitting long enough in God's presence to see him as a father because in popular opinion I feel like not even I feel like I know that human beings want to be led we want authority we want we crave someone to tell us what to do even if you yourself see yourself as a as a rebel you had to learn that from somewhere so therefore someone had to tell you that hey you can do whatever you want you didn't just wake up one day it was something that was subconsciously taught to you and for us christians we know that we want to be some of us most of the time we want to be 
led by God. We want to experience him, but because we don't sit long enough to worship him with our heart, not just with our lips, as the latter part of verse 6 is saying here, we are detached from God. We are feeling lost because we kind of have a partial view of God, not because he is partial, but because we ourselves has tre- have treated him as though he is partial. God is not partial. Like if you read, for example, the book of Leviticus, when God gives these insane, insanely long instructions regarding the tabernacle, it's deep and it's it comes from Moses ascending to the Mount, Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai. I was going to say the mountain of Sinai, but Mount Sinai. And he stays there for 40 days and 40 nights. That is a long time. Some of us can't even last 15 minutes. I'm talking about myself here. Like I was struggling. And I'm going to get into like how to actually get into it and how, what that means for us to implement this in our lives and be aware of it. Because I feel like once we're aware of what this looks like, we'd be like, huh, we kind of pick up on our own little habits. So um, I think... When we're sitting in God's presence, we miss a lot. I got just got a little bit distracted, but yes, coming back to Moses, he spent this insane amount of time on behalf of the people of Israel because they had left Egypt and they had to basically start from the ground up with God. And Moses was responsible for delivering this message because he was one of the most, one of, if not one of the only righteous people, he was the basically the leader of Israel at the time, if you don't know. And so that needed him to constantly hear what God was saying because that foundation that he was sitting, God was sitting, had to be imparted through Moses. And if Moses missed one detail, it could have resulted in death because God literally says he's holy. And if you're not familiar with the story of Aaron's sons, for example, they put the wrong type of coal in the lamps when they're going to worship because Aaron's sons were going to be the priests the gene- the gen- generational priests because they're genetic, but generational priests. And they basically die. They, it literally says they become holy. And becoming holy as a sinner or someone who is not holy mean, means death. And for us, because of Jesus' physical death, it means like a, picking up your cross and dying to yourself. So there has to be death involved. So I bring this up because they themselves did not listen to the full instruction of Aaron because of Moses to Aaron and then Aaron to his sons, essentially, because Moses heard from God and Moses went to go and tell Aaron and Aaron probably heard from Moses and went to go and tell his sons or their son or his sons went to go and tell or go and hear from Moses. And I think this is important because sometimes we find ourselves in sins that are not like there are not things that we were supposed to find ourselves in because we didn't listen to instructions, just like Aaron's sons. We didn't listen when God told us to, you know, be be specific in these particular instances. And we wonder why we're feeling consequences. It's because we didn't stay long enough to worship God because of because part of worshiping God is to stay in his presence and to heed to the instruction that he gives you because we can give as much lip service to God as much as we want. But as long as we are not matching that with our heart, if not more, it's just a farce because Jesus is saying here, their worship is a farce. Basically, it's false. It's it's pretend. Some of us are pretending in God's presence. We are saying, oh yes, look at me, I look so holy. But the Lord sees our hearts. The Lord sees what we're doing. And I think 
the part that really gets me the most of this scripture is the last part of verse 7, which says, they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. And I've spoken this a little bit earlier, but I think because of the state of the world right now, <laughs> I think it's very, very important to have a very, very firm understanding of who God is, what he entails, and what he commands us to do. Because there is so much deception, and I do not speak on people personally on my podcast. I don't speak bad on anyone. If you want to find that, you can find it on YouTube. Search whoever you want to search, and you'll find a person who dedicates their content to them. No shade to them, of course. But for me, I just want to speak on the general sense because it's happening, and I'm going to speak on it. So... When we're seeing people say things like, oh, there are multiple ways to God, you need to realize because of your own firm foundation in God that that is a man-made idea taught as command from God. God didn't say that. You need to be aware of what God is and isn't saying because there are people who have a conniving and subtle way of telling you things that aren't true. And you wouldn't know that if you're not spending enough time with God, not just in those Christian spiritual sense but one-on-one time with god honest time with god and i think we can go to church as much as we want to we can go to as many events as we want to while those things are good we can go to worship nights and whatever we can listen to an instrument on youtube those are all good things but what are we doing what what is our heart posture when we are doing those things and are we replacing the main course of an appetizer because we can go to church and church is important and the next episode is going to be about church but are we going to church thinking that's going to fix us for the entire week and then when even just monday comes around we're starving because we haven't even di- even we haven't even digested what we learned from church in front of god like i think it's important to go to church yes but also realize that god exists outside of the church like it's not just a oh i can only experience god in this particular building like the early church did not not have a building the early church was not a building it was people if you read the book of acts which i highly recommend they would meet in people's homes house church was a very very common thing i'm glad it's coming back because i've heard a lot of like house churches in like for example, Amen Podcast, their house church. I like the idea of that. I love it so much. Even just like house churches that I've, that I've heard of here in South Africa. So, yeah, I think the concept of thinking that a place, people, are supplements for God is idolatry. Like we are idolizing the concept of these things instead of treating them as add-ons. You don't get saved because a pastor by himself said by the power of the church we declare you clean you get saved by the name of jesus christ by the profession of your faith in jesus christ not a music a song we don't get saved by a song we don't get saved by a pastor we don't get saved by a a prophet we get saved by the name of jesus but of course we can allow those things to speak to us but it's up to us to speak to god personally concerning those things so yeah i think all in all coming to the scriptures here moving on i want to go into the latter part of this chapter from verse 8 to 21 um where we're talking about what the disciples 
come and ask Jesus about what he said. And prior to that in verse 17, verse 14, I beg your pardon, it says, Then Jesus called the crowds to come near and hear. All you, all of you listen, he said, and try to understand. It is not by what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes out of your own heart. So not only does our far hearts and lip service to God become something that is not holy and a farce, but it defiles us. That's how come we can start cherry picking from the Bible like, oh, God knows my heart so I can fornicate even though, yes, it's not in the Bible, but the concept of living as a married couple when you're not married is not good, but you'd only know that if you spend enough time with God and you only be convicted by it if you let God into your heart. That's what worship is. You're letting God have you. You're letting God into your heart enough to surrender everything to him in order for him to do as he pleases because God is not a God who's going to start pummeling things down to just break you. He will prune you. Pruning is definitely a biblical thing, but it's never going to be to cast you down or to humiliate you. It's for your good. Romans 8, 28, I talk about this all the time. So I think coming to this verse, we have to be careful with what we are co-signing as what God has said, as Jesus was saying, as teach they, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. We might we have to be careful with what we are co-signing as commands from God, but they're man-made ideas. There are little sins that slipped into the church or concept of church and we, we're going on in life carrying these things as though, yes, this is a Christian thing. I mean, you might be surprised that this is not even something that God has said is true. And it's interesting because once you strip away all these other things, I feel like you start being dumbfounded, like, okay, how did I get here? Because I've had moments where I'm like, okay, I I thought that if I go into the presence of God, I'm going to die, for example. And once I get into the presence of God, I'm like, I'm hearing, I'm so proud of you, my daughter. I'm like, oh, how did I get here? It's because of me relying on people to teach me about God or replacing Christian TikTok or Christian Instagram reels or um, YouTube shorts with actual alone time with God and worshiping him in spirit and in truth. And you might be surprised, like, oh, that's a little example, but that, that could literally open the doors to exposing every single man-made idea that has been branded as religion so yeah moving on in verse 17 it says then jesus went into the house to get away from the crowd and his disciples asked him what he meant by the parable he just used verse 18 don't you understand either he asked can't you see that the food that you put into your body can't, cannot defile, defile you? Food doesn't go into your body. Food doesn't go into your heart, but it only passes through the stomach and then goes into the sewer. By this, he declared that every kind of food is, is acceptable in God's eyes. Verse 20. And then he added, it is what comes from the inside that defiles you. For from within, out of a a person's heart come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these vile things come from within. They are what defiles you. And I think this is so interesting because 
the previous part where Jesus is talking about the food that doesn't defile you is like, as the verse says that he, he said this by the, by this, he said that he declared that every food is acceptable in God's eyes. This was symbolic of the law dying with Jesus and Jesus, who is the law and the word of God, as John one talks about him giving the authority to say, yeah, this food is not going to defile you. Instead, he talks about all these human mannerisms, these sinful things that are what defile us. And these are things that can't be physically like tangible. Like you can't touch adultery, can't touch greed, but they're things that can manifest in the physical from our own hearts. People don't, for the most part, people don't steal or commit adultery or prideful or slander out of the blue. It comes from a, a learned behavior. It comes from a heart matter. And the only way we can rectify that, we can, sometimes we think, oh, I'm dealing with pride. How do I rectify it? It's, the only way is to come into the presence of God and worship him in, in spirit and truth. That's when we get to see the truth and the truth sets us free and shines a light into our hearts so that we can expose every single lie and every single sin that we might have come into agreement with. For example, for me, I have dealt with like legalism. I talk about it all the time where I'm like, oh, if I don't do this amount of Bible reading, God's going to banish from his presence forever. And it's something that has come with like traumas and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily like a a learned behavior per se. It's uh, imparted behavior, if I, can, if I can put it that way, and it became learned. So when I got into God's presence, it was the complete opposite. He exposed like, you know, you don't have to do that, right? What you're doing is glorifying yourself and making yourself feel better about the time that you spend with me instead of worshiping me in spirit and in truth. When I say I was convicted, I was like, mm-hmm, yes, it's true. And of course it was. God is, God is, God can't lie. He's the truth. And it really changed my perspective on like catching myself like, wait, I am, I'm walking in pride here by thinking that my like mark and demarcation of how much time I spend with God is acceptable instead of worshiping in truth. Like I can go from spending like 30 minutes in the presence of God to like an hour or even just 10 minutes. And he still loves me the same. It's not to say that I'm not putting in enough effort, but it's more so to deal with my heart and what the Lord wants me to learn that day. Because imagine in the practical sense, if you went with a friend and you did the exact same thing every time you spent the exact same amount of time with that person every time. And how boring would that be? Like that person would be like, wait, I feel like you're kind of conceptualizing me. You're kind of reducing me to this concept or this like time frame and demarcation that just doesn't feel natural. And that's what legalism was to me. Like, oh, I'm going to take the reins and I'm going to do what I can and what I should do instead of letting the Lord lead as I was worshiping with my mouth in worship in praise and worship, like have your way, Lord, have your way. But my heart is like, okay, yeah, I'm going to, worship for like 30 minutes and then yes i'm gonna read my bible for 10 and then i'm gonna, I'm gonna stop because i'm gonna feel good after that when it's just not it's not what the lord was saying there so i think this is very very true and it's scary to think that these are all things that or some of these things i personally have dealt with and are dealing with even just like things like slander and you know slander and envy for example those are the things that are like from my heart and these aren't things that i've learned from god these are things i've learned from the world these are things that people in authority in even in the christian space have 
subtly coasting and like, oh, these are things that I should be doing. And they look different in various forms, but it's a spade. We should call a spade a spade. And I think it's a problem because we can be taking what we learn from the world and applying it into God's presence instead of going into God's presence and then going out into the world and teaching the truth. And when the inverse is happening, like I just described, we are, like I said earlier, going going to God's presence and leaving his presence empty. And we that's when people start contemplating, oh, is this religion thing worth it? When in actual fact, you didn't actually surrender to God. You didn't actually sit and be with him the way you're supposed to. And I think even just in saying the way you're supposed to is kind of putting a boundary around it but whatever the lord is leading you to do you should follow his lead in the old testament for example there's so many people who did things and the lord commanded them and the phrase that has been sticking out to me like constantly is like and this person did it just as the lord commanded just 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 as the lord instructed just as the lord commanded every single time and sometimes it was even wordlessly and to me that symbolizes silent obedience, silent worship. We always think that we have to give all this lip service to God as the verse is saying here, but sometimes it's just about a heart posture. If the world was deaf to your lip service, how else would you honor God in front of everyone? Because most of the time when we are worshiping with our lips, it's more so to appear holy in front of other Christian people, but in actual fact, they're not actually worshiping God. And I go back to that, to that whole, that phrase of like, this person did it as, or obeyed or, um, fulfill their thing, just as the Lord commanded, just as the Lord instructed that phrase, just as the Lord instructed or commanded, it is all over the old Testament. And what, went wrong from that to partial obedience which is disobedience i think it was this not spending enough time truly worshiping god mentally scrolling on god mentally in his presence being like yeah Mm -hmm." imagine if for example these these two people i'm gonna mention and i'm gonna close with some advice imagine if for example samuel First of all, Saul, what he did was mimic mimics what we do. He didn't complete or fully obey what God obeyed, what God instructed him to do through Samuel. In this case, he said, God said through Samuel, you must conquer the land and kill all the Amalekites. But Saul killed everyone except the king and all the cattle. And partial obedience is still disobedience. It's such a hard pill to swallow, I won't lie. It's like, oh, but Lord, I tried. No, you have to fully obey. And I am speaking to myself here. And what happened was God basically just said, you know what? I'm done. This man is disobedient. I'm moving away from him. And Samuel mourned this for days. And before he mourned this, he went to go and fulfill and finish what he instructed Saul to do and Samuel was the one who heard the instruction fully and ended up completing it so when we are in the presence of God and we're hearing the 
hearing what he need what he's hearing what he's telling us to do and we're hearing what he's instructing us to do we have the ability to complete it and to do it like sometimes it just means starting small and asking god for the first step like okay lord what's the first step here and then you just find yourself completing the entire thing even as overwhelming as it looked like in the beginning because god would never do things that he himself has not sent his son to do or he would never allow us to do things or command us to do things that he is doing out of his character god is a holy god so if if he's asking you to do something it's out of his character which is holiness and so those two people one of them was basically like cast away by god and one of them was remembered as one of the most influential obedient people in the bible and we have a choice here whether we want to be like samuel or we want to be like saul and i don't know about y'all i want to be like samuel so yes i i think this is quite a i think it's quite an interesting episode because it's it feels a little bit far removed the verse the verses but i think it applies here and if we want to grow in god and growing grow closer to god it starts with our worship and it starts with what we're doing in our hearts in that worship because we can have all these physical and spiritual boundaries and commands and ideas but are they from god are they things that make us feel better about our own disobedience or are they commands from god I really want people to ask themselves this question and I think that's the first point that I want to make or first piece of advice like are my ramifications around my spiritual life with God from him or man-made ideas that are taught by me now I'm not saying that people who teach the bible the true bible and who profess the name of Jesus are sinful or we shouldn't listen to them but it has to come secondary to what God is saying in the word that's why I talk about re- being in your word reading the bible all the time because it's gravely important to do so it is the f- daily bread i think that if we can eat every day then we should be able physically then we should be able to read our bibles every day because that's our spiritual bread some of us are spiritually malnourished and we are hanging on to little f- little bits of food that we heard from last year or even five months ago when the food that we need is easily accessible and is free because of jesus so yeah i think the first step like i said is to ask yourself whether or not our ramifications or your ramifications around god and his presence are from him or from man the second thing i want us to do is to practice quiet time in the lord and this is like the most practical one aside from just asking a question i think it's practical in the sense that it's hard like i was struggling just this morning i was saying okay lord i want to practice what i'm about to preach and i set aside 15 minutes and i heard it from a a sermon that i listened to a while ago at this point maybe over a year ago at this point it's a sermon by the porch and i'll link it in the description and in the show notes um basically sitting in the presence of god allows him to say and convey whatever he wants to convey to you 
without any distractions. And I'm talking about quieting your mind, quieting your heart, and just sitting there for 15 minutes, whatever time the Lord um, commands you to start with, because sometimes it can even be like five minutes and then you can build up to 10, 15, 30 minutes. And basically for me, my goal is to spend like maybe even an hour or 30 minutes in that state of just soaking up the presence of God and not just stopping there, but feeling that um, awareness of God's presence throughout my day. And I believe I got this from a, a video that I saw concerning this book that I'm been trying to find, The Practice of the Presence of God by, by, by Brother Lawrence. And the lady who was talking about it was saying that this Brother Lawrence, this monk, felt the presence of God just as strongly on the altar as he did when he was peeling potatoes. And I'm like, that's so crazy because when I'm peeling potatoes, I'm listening to my music, I'm ignoring God completely. And it kind of convicted me to be like, hold on, I need to carry God with me and let him lead me throughout my entire day because I can't say that, oh Lord, have your way when I'm restricting him to my room or my quiet time because there's so much more that is happening outside of our own four walls that we need God's discernment and God's spirit to help us navigate. We may think that because we are safe in our homes or whatever the case is, our routine is very much fleshed out that we don't have dangers coming our way, but spiritual warfare is real and it can manifest in the most insane ways in our own spirit and the physical. So it's important that we are taking God with us and allowing him to lead us. And that also includes him, him saying no and us saying, okay, Lord, I agree, no. Because there are times when, because of our own partial worship to God, our false worship to God, we can blatantly disregard whatever it is he's saying because we feel as though we're right because we didn't approach God with the spirit of humility. So how, in our quiet time, so how can we approach God with humility in our day-to-day? It's so much bigger than just, oh, I need to stop being distracted. What we do with, with God quietly affects our entire day, our entire lives. And I've personally seen this where I thought that things that I have had ingrained in me, emotions that I've had ingrained to me, ingrained in me, would never be removed. But here I am, free from those things. Here I am, free from bitterness and anger and stuff like that. Because I said, Lord, okay, fine, I'm gonna surrender this to you. I'm gonna take this away as like a man made idea and let you have your way and command me on how to deal with these things. And I sit here genuinely and confidently to say, yeah, I'm free from those things because of putting this into practice. So I'm not just saying this as like a, oh, you guys have to, but I'm saying this as a, I've walked through this and I'm saying that the word is true. When we apply it, let's stop mentally scrolling on God. We need to be present and intentional, really. We need to be intentional when God is speaking. We need to be sitting there with a humble heart posture waiting on instructions and i believe it's psalms 120 that talks about i'll correct myself around here if i'm wrong that talks about how it's like a servant girl waiting on her mistress to give her the signal to to basically you know walk in whatever she's been prearranged to do 
that's what we're supposed to be doing as children of God. We're supposed to be in that posture, like, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm waiting for your signal. I'm waiting for you to show me what to do. And be even just myself, some of us want God to either back away and we can figure it out, or we want him to give us everything that he wants, that he has for us when God does not God God does not operate that way. He does not do the whole instant gratification thing. Yes, he's a God of suddenly, but sometimes it can take months, if not years, for things to fully be cultivated. Just like a a plant, there's a reason why Jesus used the idea of farming and um planting a lot because he knows the nature of it. It's time consuming, it's delayed gratification. That's gonna be another episode delayed gratification please stay tuned for that so yeah i really wanted to kind of talk about that in this sense because we have to step away from the fluff of christianity christianity is just chills and feelings and vibes and um ugg boots and stanley cups it's real it's war and i heard something from a friend who was talking about how he heard something that's like, oh, before you're a Christian, you're just in the world aware of a war. But as soon as you profess the name of Jesus, you're placed at the front lines fighting. And it really rocked me because I'm like, yeah, when I'm when I'm in my presence, when I'm in the word of God, when I'm in my in my Christian routine that is led by God, the devil is like, let's attack her. She's the one that's in the front, so we're gonna attack her first. Because he doesn't want us to know God deeper. And it's not to scare anyone. It's just the it's just the truth. So please ask yourself, number one, what it is is um hindering you from experiencing God's presence, whether it's a man-made idea or a command from God. Ask God to help you differentiate the two. And practically sit in the presence of God for as long as possible to allow him to lead your thoughts because and your hearts because as jesus was saying here that these things come from our hearts verse 21 from within out of a person's heart come evil thoughts and he goes on to list these things all these evil things come from within they are what defiles you so our inner life inner purity it's not just about you know um sexual purity it's more to do with also just righteousness and um other things because he didn't just list evil um evil thoughts and sexual immorality he listed a bunch of other things that have to deal with inner impurity so sitting in the presence of god allowing him to do heart surgery on you allows for your heart to be changed from these impure things to pure things and that's how we can start being on mission and start being on fire for God because it starts from within as Jesus is saying it starts from within so that's why I speak about that question and speak about Jesus touching your hearts and God um dealing with you in quiet time because when we quiet in our own hearts and our own minds to listen that's when we can hear from God sometimes it's not even about oh God doesn't speak to me it's about whether or not we're quieting our hearts and our minds to hear from him because God is always speaking. God is always speaking. I, I can definitely, definitely attest to that. We just have to have the heart and the quieted heart to hear him. So yeah, I hope this has been helpful. Um, 
it has been helpful to me please go and spend a long time with god after this and you know reflect as we've been discussing the latter part of this episode and yeah i love you and most importantly the lord loves you bye